0: Well, over the last few weeks, we've been working through the story of Jesus and the uh, through the crucifixion into the resurrection. And we last week looked at the last four sayings of Jesus in Luke's account of the gospel and the resurrection story. And Jesus really didn't say much through his trials, but then he spoke clearly to those who were around him as he went to the cross and even on the cross. Excuse me, but between his death and the passage that we're going to look at today. A couple of Jesus' followers went and got permission uh, to take Jesus' body from the cross, uh, which was actually surprising Mm -hmm. to the Roman officials because Jesus died pretty quickly on the cross. And they laid him in this newly hewn tomb, which is like a cave more than a casket like we would think of wrapped him in some cloths, and they had to hurriedly get it done because sun was setting and Sabbath was beginning at sunset. It was also the beginning of Passover. And so a lot of things happened really fast on uh, what we call Good Friday. And in the end, they rolled the stone across to keep wild enemies animals from entering, and the life of Jesus, for his, all his purposes, was done. Everyone believed he was dead, and he was. In another gospel we read the Jewish leaders were concerned, though, that Jesus' disciples might go and steal his body and begin to start a fake news story that he was alive. And so they got him to post some guards to keep everything in place. The death of Jesus is complete. The burial of Jesus is complete. And those involved in the story have one action left, to wait. To wait for what? Well, for some, they were waiting for what we call Sunday to come so that they could go and complete the burial rituals. For others, it was to wait and see if they would get arrested because they were followers of Jesus and they thought they might be in trouble. They might end up on a cross themselves. Still others were waiting to see how long the grieving process would go. We've all had loved ones that we've lost, and the grieving process does take time, doesn't it? And they were starting that process into that. And the last thing on their minds, the last thing on their minds was that Jesus might be alive. And yet, when we come to Luke chapter 24, we find... Exactly that. Our passage today opens with the first day of the week. You and I call it Sunday because it's the first day of the week according to our calendar. According to their calendar, it would have been the day after the Sabbath. The Sabbath would have be been Saturday for them. And what I want to do is simply walk through this experience, that early Sunday morning on Resurrection Day, and look at six ways that we can respond to the resurrection. And you're thinking, I don't have to respond. Well, I'm going to tell you. Everybody responds. So the question isn't, am I going to respond? The question is, how will I respond? Because we all respond to it one way or the other. And I want you to see six possible ways this morning. I'll be brief. We'll be done by 2, 2.30. We'll be good. Y'all are listening. Good. We pick up in chapter 24, verse 1, and we read these words. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn... They, and we don't know who they are yet, but we're going to find out it's a group of women who go to the tomb. They went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They had done all this work. So imagine with me, their their place of residence would have had this fragrant aroma of spices. And you're thinking, spices? What would they need spices for? They're not making, you know, Italian salad, are they? No. They're getting ready to go and preserve and without being too insensitive, to mask the odor of a decaying body. That tells me this. They expected to find what? A dead body. Because Jesus was dead. They had seen it. They had, they had watched him die on the cross. They had watched it end. They would watched everything finish. It was over. So one of the ways we can respond, I think, is the way they did. We can respond with a routine. It's just what we've got to do. It's the next step in life. So with the hasty burial of Jesus completed, Passover beginning, Sabbath the next day, all the normal activities of burial had been completed, at least those they could get done that evening before sunset. Now our day starts in the, on, at midnight. Their day started at sunset, It was just a little different. And two men who'd gone and begged for the body had done it, and everything was done. And so Sabbath was now complete. A new day was dawning. A new week was dawning. A group of women make their way to the tomb. And I suspect they had a routine to do. Take the spices and finish the work. I think they had another routine, one that we all do if we think about it. Think back to the last time you lost someone you really cared for. What was the routine? We go through the routine of grief. You're going, grief's not routine. I didn't say grief was, grief was routine. It is something that we do routinely as part of losing someone. Sometimes we grieve quickly. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes years to go through grief. But these people were going to grieve. And what I want you to see is what they expected to see when they got there. What did they expect to see? A dead body. They're going to take care of a dead body. Some of you are thinking, ooh, weird. Somebody got to do it. And they had no expectation that Jesus was alive. No anticipation they would find anything there except what's at a burial site, a dead body. And they may have stopped that morning to finish up getting what they needed. We don't know, but they went to the tomb. And to them, it was just the next thing in life. We've got to get this done. Got to finish it. I remember when my mother passed, there was so much that we had to do. It was a process, isn't it? You have to go get this, you have to go to the funeral home, you have to go to the flower shop, you have to go make sure there's a place to put the casket, you have to take all of this stuff. Who's gonna do the service? Who's gonna take care? Routine that has to be done in that moment. Life has to go on. And it and it's this is how we so often respond to some of the most amazing and miraculous things in life. You look at this and go, Oh, it's Easter. What's our routine some of you said well we got to go to the mall we got to go to the store we got to buy a new dress We've got to buy a new time. We've got to buy a new this. We got to do that. We want to look this. And we do all these things because it's what we're supposed to do and it's part of the process. But Paul challenges believers later when he says this in Romans 13. He says, The night is far gone. The day is at hand. And let us then cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. i want him here to tell you this morning, you can treat Resurrection Sunday as a routine if you want to. But I want you to understand there's more to it than that. People living life with expectation. People living life with something's coming, that God's moving, and we want to be a part of it. And the people going to the tomb that morning, though, were living their lives as routine. Let's get this done. Another way you can respond to the resurrection is with confusion. I, I, I get that all the time. I get confused a lot. You ever walk into the kitchen and go, why did I come in here? You know, I saw a a thing on social media the other day that said, well, thankfully, when you walk in the bathroom and you don't remember, you can look around and kind of figure it out. We respond sometimes with confusion. Look at verse 2. These same women, and we find out their names in a moment. He says, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed, confused about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. So as the women arrive at the tomb, an amazing discovery is made. The stone is rolled away. Now you and I think to ourselves, why would they put a stone on top of a grave? Well, they don't bury folks in the Middle East, especially in Israel, in the ground. They bury them uh, on the ground or in a cave or in a natural hole. The ground over there is very rocky and it's hard to dig six feet down. So they would put the body in a a tomb literally that's the right word a tomb a, 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 a cave if you want to think of it the, the, there's one in Israel today you can go and visit and when you walk into it all of us who are at least adults would have to kind of stoop down to get through the doorway and you walk in and there's a room in there and there was a body there 3 days ago because some guys Put him there, they had wrapped him in cloth and, and laid him there, and they 'd done some spices that evening, according to one of the gospels, and then they put a stone over it, a big stone. it took probably two of them to get it in place. But now they show up, and the stone is what rolled away, okay, what happened here i 'm confused. Imagine you came back to the cemetery. After a few days of burying your loved one and the grave is open again, you'd go, what in the world happened here? What's going on here? How would you react? Anger? Who did this? How about concern? Oh my goodness, where where is our loved one? How about this one? I'm confused. Why would somebody do this? Why would this happen? How could this happen? Remember, they expected to find a stone covering the doorway. They expected to find a dead body of their friend Jesus lying like it was three days before. And they expected to fulfill a routine of burial that day to finish the process of treating their friends, the remains, and then leaving. So they arrived with much confusion that morning. It's followed by going into the tomb. You're going to check out and make sure everything's going okay. you got to look, right? So they, they went in. An activity they were going to do anyway, by the way. They were okay with that. They didn't necessarily want to do it, but somebody had to do it. And in their minds, the thoughts begin to raise. What's happened here? Where's Jesus? How can we finish this task if the body's missing? And I suppose the last thought on their mind was the one that we have this morning. He's risen. They didn't expect that they find themselves confused. Now, before we judge their lack of faith, I would suspect that every one of us, had we been in their shoes that morning, we would have reacted very much the same way. We would have gone, what happened here? Where is he? We came to do a job and he's not here. We have a routine to finish. He's not here. And and before we get on to him, but... but But we know people don't come back from crucifixion. When people die like that, they don't come back. People die in that manner, they're gone. And then add to the mystery, all of a sudden there's these two guys standing there in dazzling apparel. Uh Uh-oh, what's going on? Many hear the story of Jesus' empty tomb. Maybe even some of you here this morning and you have confusion. You go, how could that happen? That's not what happens when people die. I think we forget the promise of the prophet Isaiah when he said this, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What God was doing in this moment was creating the way for you and for me to not live with routine, to not live with confusion, to not live with these other ways as we'll see in a minute, but a new way. And God was at work in the moment. And the same is true for us. I want to tell you something. As I watched most of you come in this morning to one of the doors, my thought was again and again, the folks here today are not here by accident. You're here because God brought you here this morning. You're here for a reason. You go, what is that reason? Now that's between you and the Lord but I'm here to tell you God has got something for you today not because of me and not because of the music and not because of the people around you but because the great God of heaven is helping us to remember that he has accomplished everything we need to have real life and that's what Resurrection Sunday is God's at work around us leading us to know him don't let routine take over don't let confusion take over how about this one don't respond with fear hmm Verse 5 through 7. And as they were afeared. That's the East Texas translation, okay? As they were what? Frightened. If I went to the cemetery to check on my mom's burial site and the grave was open, I think I might be afeared. You with me? I might be a little frightened. What in the world? I'd be concerned. I'd be confused. I'd be angry. I'd also be frightened. And they were frightened and they bowed down their faces to the ground. And Mid said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Amen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise? Huh? uh, Fear takes over the mind. And and we've got this moment where we're going, I don't understand. I don't know where we're at. I don't know what's going to happen. There's fear. These words stop them in their tracks, just I guess as it does to many of us today. But it also causes us to what? To respond. How do we respond? They came to the gar- graveyard to what? To complete rituals. I think they also came to mourn. But his friend is not there. He's not risen? He's risen? He's, he's, he's risen. Yes, he's risen. He's not there. He's alive. How can this be? Oh, my goodness. What? I, I'm afraid. And so here's what they needed to remember. The news was a shock for sure, but it didn't happen... Because it shouldn't have happened, but that's exactly what Jesus said it would happen in Luke chapter 9. We read these words. And Jesus strictly charged and commanded his disciples to tell this to no one, saying, here it is, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes. Hey, that just happened. And to be killed, that just happened. And on the third day, what? Be raised. Jesus said it was coming. Jesus said, "Resurrection's coming. How are you going to respond?" Everything Jesus said happened exactly as it did, But the followers of Jesus didn't quite get it. They had somehow missed the truth. They didn't grasp it all. They didn't get the radicalness of what Jesus was doing. Hey, don't we all? Don't we all struggle with that? We go Easter. And that just seems weird. Somebody died for me. Somebody came back to the life for me. I don't don't know. See, we can respond routine, with routine, with fear, but we're all going to respond. We may have confusion, but we're going to respond. The fourth way you can respond is by remembering. Look at verse 8 and 9. And they, what? Remembered. Oh yeah. They remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And this, Luke's account is a fairly brief one and pretty straight to the point. Some of the other gospels really elaborate on some more details that were kind of, kind of fun to see and read. But Luke cuts to the chase and says, here's what happened. In a flash of a moment, here's what happens to these women in the tomb, in the garden. They go, oh yeah. oh yeah, Jesus said, do y'all remember? Where were we at? We were up by the seashore up there in Galilee somewhere and he said he was going to, and this was going to happen. Oh yeah, that's what these, yeah. And there's there's a remembrance going on. There's a light coming on. He had told them everything was going to come. He told them this was going to happen. He told them he was going to be crucified. He told them he was going to rise from the dead. And they're going, we forgot. The older I get, the more I forget. I sometimes look at people and go, I know them. What's his name? And worse, somebody will ask me, what was his name? And I go, yeah, if you hadn't asked me, I could have what? But I told you, we struggle with stuff, and we forget because we're human. But here they are. They don't really get it, but they're beginning to remember, and they don't, they're kind of going, okay. And they're headed in the right direction. As they recall the words of Jesus, the words make an impact, and then they leave the tomb because, man, there's no reason to stay there. It's nobody's home. He's gone. Let's go do what's next. And they go give a report. See, they had sought to complete burial rituals, but they came face to face with truth. And as they remembered Jesus had said he would rise as they had done, they said, let's move on. And this truth, my friends, became a central tenet, a central belief, an essential thought for us as Christians, those of us who proclaim to be followers of Jesus. It's this truth that Paul summarized so well when he was writing to the church at Corinth. He said this, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the what? The Scriptures. This all happened exactly as we were told, but we forget. Because without the resurrection of Jesus... Christianity would be little more than a belief system. And Jesus would have been little more than a good teacher, a moral man. Yeah, he impacted lives, but he wouldn't be Savior. But because of what we celebrate today, Christianity is not a world religion, it's the faith that God offers to us to have real life. So what's another way to respond? We've responded routine, confusion, fear, remembering. How about by telling? Look at verse 10. Now we find out the names of the women who were there, at least according to Luke's remembrance. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed like idle tales, and they didn't believe them. So here we discover the identities of the women. Different gospel accounts give us different lists of women, who were there, who wasn't there. And we were talking about in our Bible study this, this morning, it's really, it's kind of like watching a, a car accident. If you've ever talked to somebody who saw the same car accident you saw, they have a different viewpoint on it, a different understanding and different account. Well, I didn't see that. You saw what? That was the, yes. So here's what we have is with these women here, and they have uh, go in the early morning up there to, to complete the burial, to complete the ritual, to find an empty tomb, is what they found, are these women. Now, to you and I, we go, okay, so what? It was women. Now, I, I, I want you to understand. I want you to grasp what the Scriptures do here that's unique to Christianity. In the first century, ladies, y- y'all would have hated it. You're going, what do you mean? Women had no status in culture in the first century. Women had no rights in culture. They were often treated more like possessions than the valued individuals that God has created them to be. If you were going to create a story about somebody coming back from the dead and you were going to put somebody as the witness in the story, in the first century the last person you would have used would have been women. They couldn't testify even at trial. They're not first century, reliable witnesses. So, when I read this passage and I understand the history of that and grasp the thought here, I'm going, wow, this must be real. Because if you're going to make up a good story, that's not how you do it. You would have a couple of guys who were like really important folks give the testimony, okay? Instead, the Gospels tell us that the first ones there, ladies, were women. Our culture, we treat women with the same respect. We trust the word of a woman like we do a man. But not in that day. But God inspired the gospel writers to tell us the absolute truth. It was women who were there. And God was working to upset the status quo, to bring about a better way. In fact, as the women made their way back to where the disciples were hiding to tell them what happened, what did the men do? Uh Uh-uh, that didn't happen. Some of you ladies are going, yeah, I've had that experience before tell my husband what happened, and he goes, no it didn't. I have to knock him in the head, gently, and straighten him out. But the women made their way back, and the men who had walked and ministered with Jesus, the men who had lived their lives for the last three years with Jesus, the men who had seen miracle after miracle after miracle, amazing thing after amazing thing, they hear the news and they go, "Uh uh-uh, that didn't happen. Hmm. There's no way he could be alive. I saw him die. Well, John saw him die, and he told us what happened. We we were afraid to go out there ourselves, but John told us what happened out there at the cross. He died. Well, is it possible he could be alive? Well, he did some pretty amazing things. You know, he raised some people from the dead, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Jesus had promised a better way, a new way. Just like the prophet had said. He said, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Do you remember in John fourteen six, Jesus said about himself, he says, I am the way. Hmm. You know, it's been said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. Jesus accomplished a new thing on your behalf. And then we get to go tell others. The good news is you don't have to stay the way you were. The good news is you have new life offered to you. The good news is you have a promise of eternity in Jesus. So what do you do? How about one more and we'll be done. Another way to respond, listen to verse 12. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Now, of all the gospel characters other than Jesus, okay, My favorite is this guy, and here's why. He was really good at sticking his foot in his mouth, doing things wrong, making mistakes. I can identify with that guy. Y'all with me? Because I do that all the time. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. So our 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 passage ends with our friend Peter. Remember, this is the guy that just recently did what three times? He denied. I I don't even know who you're talking about. This Jesus man? There's no way. I don't. He's not. I don't know him. Nope. 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 And then you remember the rooster crowed, and he felt like a schmuck. And then these women show up and say, Hey, guess what happened? The tomb's empty. He's alive. Yeah, it didn't happen. Or did it? And Peter, and we read in one of the other Gospels, John went with him. But they get up and they run to the tomb. They look in there. And, and, and here's what I think was about to happen Peter was packing his bags to head home. You're going, What do you mean? Peter didn't live in Jerusalem. Y'all remember where Peter's from, don't you? He's from the Sea of Galilee. His daddy was a fisherman. His granddaddy was a fisherman. His great-granddaddy was a fisherman. Y'all with me? That's what their family did. Their family business was catching fish. And now that Jesus was gone, the guy had been traipsing all over the world for the last three years following and listening to and being involved in ministries. He's dead. I guess I need to go home to daddy and get a job before he can leave town he gets news the tomb's empty stones rolled away Jesus is alive so these angels tell us confused yeah fearful yeah remembering a little bit yeah telling yeah he's going to but he contemplates the promise that jesus had made to rise from the dead maybe just maybe this is true now in this account peter doesn't see jesus he doesn't get to catch up with him until sometime later up in the galilee which is a marvelously humorous story if you read it but he does begin to do something here you respond by how accepting he begins to accept the truth that Jesus is alive some of you this morning think that's Jesus stuff's crock it's not real it's just a story they make up to make sure churches stay open can I tell you something the gospel happened long before churches ever did Salvation was made possible because of what Jesus did at the cross. And when he defeated death, he gives us new life. Yeah, Peter was confused. He didn't understand. <clears throat> but he begins to accept that something, to accept that something miraculous could have just happened. It reminds me of what we read in Psalm 23, a verse we often read at funerals. But the second part of that verse is a reminder that even though I walk through the darkest valley, Peter had just been through a dark valley. The disciples have just been through a dark valley. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with who? Me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me tell you something this morning, this Easter Sunday, 2022. No matter where you are, no matter what dark valley you think you're in, no matter what dark valley you've been through, no matter what struggle you're in, what no matter issue you're facing, what, no problem you're experiencing, no matter situation you can't figure out a oh, out, figure out an out. Jesus is there. And he will love you. And he loves you no matter what. So what do you do? Well, you know, you can have a routine. Well, that's what we do. I'm confused. I don't get it. I can't think about it It's too much. I kind of fear. I go, oh, well, if I just trusted Jesus, what would happen to my... I'm not, he might send me to Africa. Yeah. And I remember he said all that stuff. I guess I ought to tell somebody. Or maybe the best answer is the last one right there, to accept Jesus. He said, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Almost eight-year-old boy trusted Jesus in Arkansas. He had no clue what it meant. Almost almost 50 years later, he stands here this morning telling you about the resurrection. Who knows what God has for you if you'll just give your heart to him and trust him. Let's pray together. Lord in heaven, we thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday. And we think of the story of Jesus as something, well, we do it, it's Easter. Father, it's more than that. It's the opportunity to have new life that he gave to us at the cross. Lord, I pray for those who need to respond to you, maybe just sitting in their seat, To respond and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you. I want to follow you. Help me to do that. For many of us, it's our routines have been upset the last few years. And we want to get back to our routine. God, you want to do something new in us. We pray, God, that you would touch our hearts today on this Easter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.